We praise your holy name. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your house and worship you, to sit at your feet, to hear the word of God. And Lord, we thank you this morning for each one that's here. We pray again, Lord, for those families that are out. We pray, God, for healing and restoration. And God, that you would touch them in a mighty way. Pray, God, your blessing upon us as we hear your word. Touch thy servant. We pray, God, we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I'd like to speak to you this morning as a sequel to last week's sermon. God, give us a song. I like to speak from the book of Habakkuk, small book, a minor prophet, but really a great prophet. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and that will not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and that will not save. What was the burden? It was the grief in the heart of the prophet that was weighing down on his shoulders. He said, how long, O God, shall I cry? He shouted out to God, and he said in so many words, God, where are you? Are you silent? He said, look at the violence, look at the cruelty, Look at the injustice. Look at the oppression. Look at the unrighteous behavior among your people. Oh God, will you not save us? Will you not liberate us? Will you not deliver us? Will you not give us victory? Habakkuk was saying, look at, look at what's happening around us, oh God. And you know, we can say the same thing this morning. Look what's happening around us. Praise God. When the Bible says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, he wanted to see the situation clearly. He wanted to see reality. And when reality struck his heart, it brought grief to his soul. Some people can deny reality. Some people could get into the state of denial and say, everything is okay. It's going to get better and so on and so forth. But he said in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 1 again, in the message version, it says this. The problem as God gave Habakkuk to see it. He said, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day? Anarchy and violence break out. Quarrels and fights all over the place. Law and order fall to pieces. Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. Look around at the godless nations. Look long and hard. Brace yourself for a shock. Something is about to take place and you're going to find it hard to believe. God is speaking now. He says, listen, I'm about to raise up the Babylonians to punish you. Babylonians, fierce and ferocious, world-conquering Babylon, grabbing up nations right and left. A dreadful and terrible people making up its own rules as it goes. Habakkuk is describing the evil in the society of that day. 
He's telling God, look at all this. Look at the injustice. Look at the system. Look at the criminal system. Look at the justice system. We see it in our own country, in our own government, as they try to take out a president, his own people, his own congressmen, his own folks. We see a possible coup in our own country that we would ordinarily see in a dictatorial, tyrannical nation. Look at the evil. Look at the new bail laws. Look how we're letting people out of jail and they go out in a day or two and commit another heinous crime. There's something wrong with the system. And this is what Habakkuk is saying. And if you look at the old prophets, it's looking at America today. It's no different, my friend. And God says, listen, Habakkuk, I hear your cries and I know what you see. But brace yourself because a storm is coming. The prophet and God spoke to one another in a personal and intimate way. This is what God desires from us in the last day church. He desires to speak to us in a personal and intimate way. God desires this type of conversation from us. The Bible says in Amos chapter 3 verse 7, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants the prophets. He said in Genesis 18 and 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? God isn't in the business of hiding from his church. He's not in the business of keeping secrets from his people that love him. God, our prayer this morning should be, Give us a song and not a story. Listen carefully. God, don't allow our story to overcome our song. God wants to do a new thing in our lives. What are you saying, Pastor? We can look at all that's going on in the world and that could become our story. We can look at all that's going on in our life and that becomes our story. But if our story supersedes the song of praise that God wants to put in our hearts, then we must do something about that story. Because Isaiah the prophet told us these words in Isaiah 43 and 19. He says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It doesn't matter what's going on out there because evil has been for a long time. Mischief has been for a long time. Injustice and oppression has been for a long time. But God has always had a people. God has always had a remnant. He had eight, praise God, in Noah's boat. Hallelujah. And down through the ages, God, hallelujah, touched his people. Even though all that stuff was going around, whether it was Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, whether it was Daniel the prophet, God hid them, praise God. Whether it was Elijah or Elisha, praise God. God said, you you're my man, you're my people, you're my remnant, and I will do a new thing through you. And I believe in the last day, if we give ourselves to God and sacrifice praise God to God, God will say, I will do a new thing through you. Amen. You have to understand something here this morning. We are sons and daughters of God. We are men and women of God. And like the prophet, hallelujah, God says, I can't or I won't move until you speak. You see, God had this conversation with the prophet because the prophet spoke to God. And this entered into a dialogue and a communication between the prophet and God. God depends on us to speak. Before 
He can move. You see, when we speak, praise God, and it's the spoken word ministry, praise God. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says, and God said, and God said, and God said. And I believe in the last day, hallelujah, God wants to put into our mouths, and God said, be healed. And God said, be delivered. And God said, receive a blessing. And God said, receive a miracle. We have the spoken word ministry. If we yield our mouth to God, hallelujah, and God will do the rest because there's a dialogue between us and God because we are the children of God, we are the heirs of God, and we are the joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Hmm. When we speak, God will change things. When we speak in faith, God will cause situations and circumstances to change for our benefit. The prophet was making, was asking God, Are you going to let this evil continue? And God answered the prophet in a way he was not expecting. You know, sometimes God does that. God revealed to the prophet that even as we speak, I'm allowing the Chaldeans, the Babylonians to be raised up and invade your land and take the people captive. Come on, God, what are you saying? Don't we have enough trouble? Don't we have enough evil? And God is saying, hold on. Go slow, prophet. I will show you a journey that you're about to see. In other words, God was saying, if you think there's trouble now, wait and see what's coming down the road. Don't let that scare you. And don't let that make you become fearful until you hear the rest of the story. God was saying, I'm going to step back and I'm going to let things get worse. Praise God. I'm going to let things get terrible and dreadful. The enemy shall come for violence. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. That's just the way it is. It's not like God's sleeping. It's not like God went on vacation. It's not like God doesn't care. But some things have to evolve. Some things have to take place before God can step in and say, that's enough. Before God steps in and says, These are the righteous, and these are my people, and my sons, and my daughters. God shared with the prophet, the enemy will be unleashed, and the prophet questioned God about his actions. Again, reading Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12. God, you're from eternity, aren't you? Holy God, we aren't going to die, are we? God, you chose Babylonians for your judgment work. Rock-solid God, you gave them the job of discipline, but you can't be serious. You can't condone evil. So why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This outrage, evil men swallow up the righteous and you stand around and watch. But you can't be serious. You can't condone evil. So why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This outrage. Evil men swallow up the righteous and you stand around and watch. God, you are from eternity, aren't you, holy God? We aren't going to die, are we? God, you chose the Babylonians for your judgment work. Rock solid God, you gave them the job of discipline, but you can't be serious. You can't condone evil, so why don't you do something about it? You're treating men and women as many fish in the ocean, swimming without direction, swimming but not getting anywhere. 
Then this evil Babylonian arrives and goes fishing. He pulls in a good catch. He catches his limit and fills his creel. A good day of fishing. He's happy. He praises his rod and reel. He piles his fishing gear on an altar and worships it. It made his day. And he's going to eat well tonight. Are you going to let this go on and on? Will you let the Babylonians fishermen fish like a weekend angler, killing people as if they do nothing but fish? You know what he was saying? He says, God, how can you let an empire that's more evil than us? And now he's got a little self-righteous prejudice in him. See, he knows Judah and Jerusalem is evil. He knows the people of God have turned their backs on God. But he's confused now. Because he's saying, how can you let this empire that's even more evil than us come in here and judge us while you watch and see? (laughs) It's a good question. Why do you allow them to invade us when they're worse off than we are concerning sin? Habakkuk had to step back for a moment because God is speaking very plainly. And I believe God is speaking plainly in the last day to his church, to to those that will listen. He says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, and this is something we have to learn to practice. He says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I'm reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. What was Habakkuk saying? He's saying, you know, I told God the burden of my heart, and I shared with God my grief. And boy, did God give me a mouthful. Did God give me an earful? (laughs) I wasn't planning to hear what I heard. And sometimes, like the prophet, God speaks to us, and we have to step back for a moment to digest it. Kind of like to allow it to assimilate into our spirit so we could really understand what God's saying to us. These are heavy words from heaven. God is saying, let's make believe it's America right now. God was saying to the prophet, I'm going to let a foreign country come in here and take your people into exile. I'm going to allow the Babylonians, an evil empire, I'm going to allow them to go fishing for your people. Imagine that. You see, we sit here in America and we say to ourselves, that could never happen to us. My friends, we were invaded some years ago and 3,000 people lost their lives who were part of us, part of our society, part of our great country. Praise the Lord. What happened? It happened in Pearl Harbor. It happened in New York City. It happened. And people say that can't happen again. Yes, it can. If we're not careful and get back to God the way God wants us to get back to. The prophet did three things when God spoke. He took a stand. He went to the tower and he said, okay, I will watch. I will see what you're going to do, God. Stand boldly 
Don't compromise the word of God in your life. That's exactly what Habakkuk was doing. Don't fold under fleshly pleasures when the going gets tough. The second thing God told him to do when he did it, he said, write the vision of what God is speaking to you about. Grab it and run with it. Do you know that if you write 10 things that are goals, almost automatically five of those goals will come to pass just because you wrote them down. But if you have 10 goals and you don't write them down, the probability is that you will never reach a goal. You'll walk aimlessly in life. That's just studies that have been done. The third thing he did was to be patient. Sometimes we run when we're not supposed to. Sometimes we walk when we're not supposed to. Sometimes we run when we're supposed to sit. And sometimes we sit when we're supposed to walk. God has everything in control in your life. And when all hell breaks loose, and it looks like the dam has broken and the water and the flood's coming in, just remember, in Psalm 29.10, God says, I ride the flood. He'll ride every flood with you. But take a stand. Don't allow the enemy to back you up. Write the vision of what God is saying. Journal. Write down. Take notes. Study to show yourself approved. Just don't read a chapter. Just don't read a verse. Write it down. Some people say, well, I I have to read 15 chapters a day. You know, I, I think if you took one verse or two verses and you really took it apart and looked up words and meditated upon it, it's much better than just reading 15 chapters to say I read 15 chapters. Get the meat of the word. Too many Christians are on the milk of the word. We're still giving people pablum and cereal and oatmeal when we should be having, praise God, steak dinners with God. Hallelujah. When we should have meat of the word. The days of the older past. What has happened before this day has gone. Hallelujah. It's a new day and God wants to do a new thing. Give us a new song and give you a new scripture, praise God, to put in your heart so that you can run, praise God. Hallelujah. God spoke profoundly again. I want to share this with you, which I believe God showed me. When God speaks, always ask the Lord if that's the final message concerning what he's speaking. Because a lot of times, you don't get the full message because you think you have it already. Always wait for the full message. God wasn't done speaking to the prophet. Judgment was coming upon Babylon. And judgment will come upon evil today. So what's God saying here this morning? God is saying, listen, I'm going to judge Judah and Jerusalem. I'm going to do it. I'm going to let the Babylonians come in here. But Habakkuk, make no mistake about this. I will eventually judge the Babylonians. So I want you to hear the full message. They're not going to get away with it. And I know you're comparing your society with theirs, that yours is a little better concerning evil than theirs. But make no mistake about it. And this is what God said in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. God wants to judge. He's so merciful. But he holds back. He's so long-suffering. But look what it says. 
It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. Look at that man, bloated by self-importance, full of himself but soul empty. But the person in right standing before God, through loyal and steady believing, is full alive, really alive. Note well, God says, money deceives. The arrogant rich don't last. They are more hungry for wealth than the grave is for cadavers. Like death, they always want more. But the more they get is dead bodies. They are cemeteries filled with dead nations, graveyards filled with corpses. Don't give people like this a second thought. Soon the world will be taunting them. Who do you think you are getting rich by stealing and extortion? How long do you think you can get away with this? Indeed, how long before your victims wake up, stand up and make you the victim? You've plundered nation after nation. Now you'll get a taste of your own medicine. All the survivors are out to plunder you, a payback for all your murders and massacres. Who do you think you are? Recklessly grabbing and looting, living it up, acting like king of the mountain, acting above it all, above trials and troubles. You've engineered the ruin of your own home. In ruining others, you've ruined yourself. You've undermined your foundations and you've rotted out your soul. The bricks of your home will speak up and accuse you. The woodwork will step forward with evidence. Who do you think you are building a town by murder, a city with crime? Don't you know that the God of the angel's army makes sure nothing comes of that but ashes? Make sure the harder you work at that kind of thing, the less you are. Meanwhile, the earth fills up with awareness of God's glory as the waters cover the sea. Who do you think you are inviting your neighbors to your drunken parties, giving them too much drink, roping them into sexual orgies? You thought you were having the time of your life. Wrong. It's a time of disgrace. All the time you were drinking, you were drinking from the cup of God's wrath. You'll wake up holding your throbbing head, hung over, hung over from Lebanon violence, hung over from animal massacres, hung over from murder and mayhem, from multiple violations of place and people. What's the use of a carved God so skillfully carved by its sculptor? What good is a fancy cast God when all it tells is lies? What sense does it make to be a pious God maker who makes gods that can't even talk? Who do you think you are saying to a stick of wood, wake up, or to a dumb stone, get up? Can they teach you anything about anything? There's nothing to them but surface. There's nothing on the inside, but oh God, in his holy temple, quiet everyone, a holy silence and listen. What's God saying? Exactly what we're seeing today. The corruption, the payoffs, the immorality, the witchcraft, the occult, all of this that's taking place, even in our society and even in our government. It's happening. We see it. We're living it. And God says, I'm going to judge that. Who do these people think they are that are putting money in their coffin at the expense of other people? How about the secret deals? The deals behind closed doors, the, the secret under the table deals that we don't even know of. We only know of what's going on now because we have a president that's willing to speak up. We didn't know all this rot was taking place in our country, in our government, for decades, decades and decades. We didn't know what was going on behind closed doors. That's why they want them out. They don't want anything that's righteous because the unrighteous hate the righteous. 
dark and light cannot exist together. And when light comes to the surface, it reveals the darkness of a people's soul. It's unheard of of what's taking place in the White House when 50 evangelical leaders can surround a president and pray, praise God in a Pentecostal way and lay hands upon the president of the United States, the most powerful figure authority in the world and have a prayer meeting in the White House. It's amazing what has been done for Christianity in our country. Now the president is trying to get back prayer in our public schools. We need to get prayer back in our churches first. Praise God. God will judge the Babylonians. God will separate in the last day the remnant church. God will separate his true sons and daughters. And God will put a seal upon us, praise God. It's not the seal of the enemy, but it's the seal of the Holy Spirit that God will place upon us to identify us that we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Hallelujah. It's not going to go by what denomination or church you're in. Praise God. It's like David Wilkerson prophesied many years ago. We will become a brotherhood of Jesus and we will recognize a true brother and we will recognize a true sister because our spirit will bear witness with their spirit that we are the sons and daughters of God. Can you say amen? amen. Habakkuk says something very precious in Habakkuk 2.20 But the Lord is in his holy temple and let all the earth keep silence before him. In our silence and in our quietness God can speak profoundly to us. It's an art, my friend. A lot of people have never entered into that arena of quietness and serenity, of quiet meditation before God. I'm not talking about yoga. I'm not talking about chanting. I'm talking about be still and know that I am God. Be still so you can hear the voice of God. Every day that we live, we need a moment of quiet. Maybe it's five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes of just sitting before God, maybe having some pleasant Christian music that you can really meditate to or just get that quiet environment and allow God and speak to God like the prophet did in an intimate and personal way. God, what's your message for me today? God, what are you saying to me? Lord, I want a personal relationship with you. Jesus said, He's knocking at the door. He says, if any man will open that door, he wants to sup with us. He wants to fellowship with us. He, he wants that, that, that intimacy with us that he, that he had with Habakkuk, that he had with Abraham, that he had with Elijah, that he had with Elisha, that he had with the disciples. Imagine yourself sitting under a tree with Jesus as you allow God to take out the busyness of your life for a few moments during the day. And to enter into the garden of your soul, praise God, so that we can listen for his voice and his instruction. Malachi said in Malachi 3 and 1, he says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he's like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. 
What's God saying? I believe this is the separation in the last day. I believe, in a sense, we are the sons and daughters of Eli, of Levi. We're the priesthood. We're a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that God wants to send forth, praise God, into the world to help change lives and help change people. Praise the Lord. And God is saying, I'll come suddenly. And you know, sometimes out of the clear blue, when you're at least expecting for God to speak, he stops you. He stops you with a thought. And he says to you, hey, write that thought down. He says, hey, don't let that thought escape you. Sometimes God gives me thoughts, and if I don't write it down quickly, the enemy wants to come and he wants to steal that thought from me. Sometimes it's a thought for a sermon. Sometimes it's a title for a sermon. God wants to come sometimes suddenly because he is in his temple. And it's up to us to become quiet before God. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. What's God saying to us this morning? God is saying, I know what's going on in this world. I fully understand, praise God. I fully understand what's happening in this world. Children, don't be alarmed about what you see and what you're about to see. It's coming. A storm is brewing. Eventually, Because Jesus prophesied that there would be an antichrist. He prophesied that there would be perilous times. And sometimes we allow that to strangle us. Sometimes we allow that to put us in chains. Sometimes the enemy places that fear upon us. But if you believe that you're a child and a son and daughter of God, God has you in the place where he wants you this morning. I want to read another passage from Habakkuk. And I know I've read some long passages, but I want to give you the flavor. God was going to judge Judah in Jerusalem. He was going to set the Babylonians to come in. Then God said, I will eventually judge the Babylonians. After Habakkuk digested all of this, he sat back. He got quiet. And he began to reflect and recollect about God's victories and God's grace. This is important. Because when the enemy comes to strike you, when the enemy comes to try to take you out, when the enemy gets you at your seemingly lowest moment, this is what you have to remember. Because Habakkuk was full of grief. Habakkuk was just full of pain of what he was seeing around him from family and friends and church people, nations, government officials, justice system, the criminal system. He stood back, stepped back, and he said these words in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. A prayer of the prophet Habakkuk with orchestra. God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you. And I'm stopped in my tracks down on my knees. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. And as you bring judgment, 
as you surely must. Remember mercy. God's on his way again, retracing the old salvation route, coming up from the south through Temen, the holy one from Mount Paran. Skies are blazing with his splendor, his praises sounding through the earth, his cloud brightness like dawn exploding, spreading forked lightning, shooting from his hand. What power in that fist. Plague marches before him, pestilence at his heels. He stops, he shakes earth. He looks around, nations tremble. The age-old mountains fall to pieces. Ancient hills collapse like a spent balloon. The paths God takes are older than the oldest mountains and hills. I saw everyone worried in a panic. Old wilderness adversaries, Cushon and Midian, were terrified, hoping he wouldn't notice them. God is a river. Is it river you're mad at, angry at old river? Were you raging at sea when you rode horse and chariot through to salvation? You unfurled your bow and let loose a volley of arrows. You split earth, praise God, with rivers. Mountains saw what was coming. They twisted in pain. Flood waters poured in. Ocean roared and reared huge waves. Sun and moon stopped in their tracks. Your flashing arrows stopped them. Your lightning, praise God, strikes spears and pal them. Anger, you stomped through the earth. Furious, you crushed the godless nations. You were out to save your people, to save your specially chosen people. You beat the stuffing out of King Wicked, stripped him naked from head to toe, set his severed head on his own spear and blew away his army. Scattered they were to the four winds and ended up food for the sharks. You galloped through the sea on your horses, racing on the crest of the waves. When I heard it, my stomach did flips. I stammered and stuttered. My bones turned to water. I staggered and stumbled and sat back and wait for doomsday to descend upon our attackers. What's the prophet saying? He was saying, let me think about this for a moment. Let me think about God's resume in the history of his people. Don't you remember when the Egyptians were going after the Jewish people as Moses raised the rod over the Red Sea and the seas departed. Mountains to the side, mountains in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them, an impossible situation. And they were going through those dry ground, passing through. But the word got out. They're following us. They're going to get us. They're coming with their chariots and their armies. There's many of them. It's an all-out attack on God's people. And I'm sure that that noise started in the congregation and got all the way to the front to Moses. Moses stood and he raised that rod one more time. (laughs) And as he did, the waters begin to collapse. You see, this is the God that we serve. (laughs) All of a sudden, their chariot wheels got twisted. All of a sudden, the waters overcame them and overturned, praise God. What they thought was going to be the defeat of the Jewish people, it turned into their own defeat, their own demise, and their own death. Look in the Old Testament, my friend. Look at the resume of God. Hallelujah. And when the enemy comes to attack you, we must do like Habakkuk. We must step back for a moment. Hallelujah. And we must say, okay, God. I see what I'm going through here. 
I see what's happening in my own life. I see the trials and tribulations and the circumstances and the situations. I see what's happening in the world. It's hard to even listen to news anymore. And God says, step back, son. Step back, daughter. Go backwards in time for a moment and see what great things your God has done for the people of God in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and in your life up till this point. You know, some of us shouldn't even be here this morning. I said some of us, son, shouldn't even be here this morning. But God's infinite mercy in our greatest times of trial and tribulations, in the greatest times of our grief and our anguish, when we looked about and said there seems no way out, that's what Daniel thought. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thought. That's what Paul and Silas thought. But if God needs to send an earthquake, praise God, to spring us, he'll send an earthquake. If he needs to stop the mouth of the lion, he will. If he needs to jump into the fiery furnace, he will. If he calls us to build a boat, he will. Because he is God, and my God is outrageous, and my God prevails. So Habakkuk got settled when he realized what a great God he served. And I believe he said these words. This is what he meant in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, and the labor of the olive oil shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Amen. What's he saying? Amen. Habakkuk knew, just like we know today, my friend, if you're realistic, that the window of opportunity and the window to work for God is open. However high or however slight, we don't know. We don't know. But we do know this. If we read the Bible, eventually, whether it's five years, ten years, a decade, whatever, we don't know. Trouble's coming. Trouble's coming. But that doesn't mean it takes us to our knees. What I believe Habakkuk was saying, in the meantime, I will wait upon thee and accept what you do. I will wait upon you, Lord. I will accept whatever you're going to do. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, if the trees don't bring fruit, if the cows don't give birth, I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to love you. I'm not going to allow any circumstance. I'm not going to allow anything outside of me or inside of me to monopolize me or paralyze me in fear. I will rejoice in the Lord of my salvation. No matter what I think I lack or have not been given by God, I will continue to rejoice in the Lord. This is God giving us a new song. When we cross the bridge, listen carefully. When we cross the bridge, like Paul and Silas did in that jail. 
and sang praises to God. They were rejoicing in their circumstance. When the disciples were beaten and throbbed because of preaching the gospel, they came back to the church, not with a story of their own, but with the story of God and said, we rejoice for being beaten that we preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the church crosses the bridge to the place of rejoicing, no matter what, if the pear tree doesn't give fruit, if the fig tree doesn't give figs, if the cows don't give birth in their stalls, if we can come out and say, praise God anyhow, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to accept at this moment what God has delivered to me. I'm going to accept the state of society. I'm going to accept the state of government. It doesn't mean we can't pray. It doesn't mean we can't intercede. It doesn't mean that we can't change things through God who's asking us to speak, who's asking us to pray, who's asking us like Habakkuk did. The burden. Give God the burden. Say, God, how long? God will answer. But in the meantime, we must stand. We must write the vision. In other words, occupy until he comes. We have a job to do. And we must be patient with God and walk with him. Listen, as I try to bring this to a close. Habakkuk in, in 3.19 says, The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my strength instruments. What's he saying? Habakkuk was saying, after God gave him this great expose of what was happening, what was going to happen, as Habakkuk said that prayer and told about the greatness of God, he was saying this, God is not only my strength, as the prophet Habakkuk said, but he said God is our strength. And he keeps us sure-footed and steadfast in him. God calls us to pain sometimes. I know people don't like to hear that. God calls us to pain, to minister to those in pain. We are the advertisement for God that no matter what the pain and no matter what the trouble, we as God's people will come through the pain and come out with a high hand. We will learn to rejoice. I can't say that I've crossed that bridge yet. I can't say that I'm at the place of Paul and Silas and being in prison and saying to God, thank you, Jesus. I know all things work together for my good. Not all things are good, but all things work together for my good. They were patient and waited upon God. And they started singing. And I'm sure Silas, the younger of the two, was looking at the man of God and saying, you've really lost your mind, haven't you? No, Paul said, no, I haven't. He said, just keep singing. God will do something. Amen. The automatic doors that man thinks he invented, God invented. Right. I said God invented. The gates opened 
And God did great things. Why? Because the men of God sang. The men of God spoke. The men of God rejoiced. The jailer got saved. The jailer's family got saved. God did great things because two men didn't sit down and say, oh, what was me? Life is terrible. It's time to quit and get on the ledge. It's time to end it. No, they said, you know what? God is still God. He's still our security. He's still a strong tower. So why does God allow all of this to happen? Look at your own life. And I appeal to you this morning. Look what you've come through. You're still here. You're still in the game. You're still in the game. The enemy has tried his darndest to put your lights out. He thought you had you on the deck many times. He thought he gave you the knockout blow. Little did he know that the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power of the Holy Spirit that touches our mortal body, soul, and spirit and says, get up. Amen. Get up and fight. And that's what we've been doing for years. I want to leave you with these verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's the living, living Bible version, but I think it speaks to us. I quote, and it says, What a wonderful God we have. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. But in our trouble, God has comforted us. And this too, to help you, to show you from our own personal experience how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo these same sufferings. He will give you the strength to endure. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My prayer this morning is, no matter what, God give us a song, sometimes even through our praise, through our pain. Let it be the song of praise. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 71, 8, let my mouth be filled with, the, with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Psalm 71, 14, but I will hope continually, I will yet praise thee more and more. Acts 16, 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Ephesians 5 and 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a lot of prisoners out there. Some of them are in our own home. They don't know Christ. Amen. What story are they hearing? Mm-hmm. Are they hearing a woeful tale? Are they hearing poor me, pity me? Or are they hearing you singing praises unto God at midnight and looking at you cross-eyed and saying, I know what you're going through, 
I know you're in great grief. I know the enemy, even though I don't go to church, is throwing everything at you. And they're going to say this to themselves. How are you praising God? What's wrong with you? Is there something wrong with you? No. I know that God is an on-time God. And God will show up. Praise God. And God will speak. My job is to allow God to hear my voice and sing the praises of God. God, give us a new song. And God, help us to cross the bridge of rejoicing. Even when pain comes and strikes us, praise God, like a terror in the night. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach your word and to teach your word this morning. And I pray, God, as the word goes out from this church, that it will bring comfort to some soul, that it will bring hope and healing and help, Lord, to someone that's suffering. Lord, touch them and let them know you're the God of today. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Bless your people, bless your church, and bless those, O oh God, that will come across these tapes and listen to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.